Hey guys, this is Chelsea Schaefer and this is The Score. This is the Team Roping Journal's venture into the world of podcasting. On this show, you'll be able to bring the Team Roping World's movers and shakers on the road or to the office with you. They'll be telling stories and talking through some of the issues facing this sport. As the editor of the Team Roping Journal, I'll be your host. Hey, Tara. Hi, Chelsea. How's it going this week? Oh, it's good this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for episode six of The Score. Yes, we're at episode six. And for those of you who have been following us from the beginning, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now Stitcher. So make sure you head on over and you can listen to us on all three platforms. Yeah, and if you haven't been following us from the beginning, head back, listen to the first episode with Aaron Sin and Jenny. It's still one of my favorites. And kind of binge listen. I know everybody is getting ready to drive to the World Series, the U.S. Opens, and hit the rodeo trail. So there's lots of time to be listening in the truck. That is right. So Chelsea, what's going on this week? Um, well, this week we've got an episode with Ryan Motes and... Ryan and I recorded it in his kitchen. He was awesome and gracious at his photo shoot. Um, and so it is a really fun kind of personal chat with Ryan, and I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Um, but before you do, um, when you get your July issue in the mail, I want to make sure you know to look at your July issue of the Team Roping Journal. In the back of the book It are the U.S. Finals entry forms. You've got to check out the cinch national finals of team roping entry forms there's a lot of changes a lot of new stuff all for the ropers um and that is in the july issue of the team roping journal and where can they get the uh, copy of the team roping journal um you can if you are not a u.s uh uscrc or world series member you can go to teamropingjournal.com and subscribe it's also on itunes it's on all of your digital platforms um and you can call 866-343-1801 and you can get a copy of the magazine over the phone all right without further ado take it away yep enjoy this episode with ryan motes this is episode six of the score okay hi ryan Chelsea, how are you? Good. <laughs> how are you? Wonderful. Um, where are we? We're at the house here in Weatherford. Um, your house and your arena are so stinking beautiful. <laughs> I feel like you've got to feel so accomplished in your life. Just. Well, no, it's nice. It's it's something that, uh, I mean, we use every day. So we use the house and the arena every day. So all my <laughs> friends and family, you know, I mean, it's a big, we, I mean, you've been over here, we. I mean, everybody's welcome to come rope. Everybody, I mean, when we're done roping, we come eat, we do. I mean, that's kind of how we do it. How did this become, like, such a gathering place? Was that all, have you always been so social? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, You know, we've always had a lot of, uh, of, uh, I've got a lot of friends around here, and, I mean, that's kind of where we, everybody's come to rope, and and they know me, and I know them real well, and, and, I mean, it's kind of nice I can call, you know, Seth or, or Garrett or anybody, you know, up, and they, they know as much about my roping as I do, so it's pretty pretty neat, but, I mean, it's just the same thing. I mean, their kids are like my kids, and, I mean, they, uh, you know, they bring their kids by here. We do everything like that, and, uh, you know, it makes it fun. I mean, we rope, we eat, and, I mean, we know we have fun, so every day we, you know, we dink sure work, but every day we try to have fun. So you grew up half in California and half in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me, where did you, where were you born in California? I was born in Fresno, California. Uh, my family, my mom's family uh, had a ranch there 
and uh, I grew up there until I was about 11, and then uh, moved to Texas when I was 11, and we, uh, you know, kind of moved down here in the cutting horse type of cutting horse capital, I guess, and that's kind of what we did for a little bit. Uh, we fold out a lot of mares, we still do, um, but that was kind of our base when we moved here and what we did to make things work. So what, what was it like being the son of a world champ? I mean, it was cool. Um, you know, I mean, I have, I have uh, memories, you know, from the BFI and, and uh, Oakdale being a little kid, you know, that's what I said, you're a, a little kid uh, at the BFI and you, you hear somebody's name, whether it's Jake and Clay, you know, or, or Alan Bach or anybody like that, and you go run into the deal, you know, and you watch Walt Woodard and those guys, every time they, they're up, you run over and watch them rope, and you go right back to roping the little fast lanes, you know, and and playing around up there on the concourse, but it makes it fun. But uh, no, I mean it was great. It was a I roped with him uh, my rookie year, and it, and it was it was a big advantage. But your mom's side of things, the cutting horse side, was huge. Too. Right. And talk about, I mean, did you what horsemanship have you kind of borrowed from the cutters? Quite a bit. Um, Winston, my stepdad. I mean, that's where a lot of my horse training knowledge and dad's full name is Winston Hansma is my stepdad and uh, I mean he's one of the most accomplished cutters there's ever been uh, and, and a horse trainer of any aspect um, and so that's where a lot of my horsemanship knowledge has come um, obviously I feel like roping's a good part of what uh, helps me do good but I feel like horsemanship for me um, I can't compete on a, a mediocre horse I, they better be pretty good for me to catch on so <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but uh, for me, I mean, horsemanship is is ninety percent of it. Roping's it's yeah. easy to rope if you can put them in the right spot. And I feel like, I mean, you've got Starbucks who needs no introduction whatsoever. Rockstar would be like any other person's number one, right? Yeah, and he's kind of you know as uh, he's kind of developed into my my go to kind of horse, I guess. And Starbucks is. Starbucks is 20 this year, and uh, I mean, looks great, acts great, completely sound, but he gets picked and choose, on, you know, on where he gets to go. Um, try not to just, he, he loves to go with us. I left him home last year when we went to California, and uh, when uh, I got back, my mom, she'd pulled blood on him. She couldn't figure out what's wrong with him, and he was just mad he wasn't with us. I left my mare with him. Um, Goldie with him that they live together so I thought I'll just leave both of them they'll be happy here so this year he went to uh, California with me he went to uh, he went to uh, he got rode at the Brock Crested Pro-Am you know <laughs> and uh, he's been to a couple unofficial rodeos out there and stuff but he's gotten a little bit older and, and he's still great he's still sound I'll ride him all the good stuff through the summer um, quite a bit and I'll go back and forth last year I probably split it 50-50 from June on, um, in the winter, we ride him around, we exercise, we go check cows on him and do stuff like that, but it's, uh, as he's gotten older, it's harder to keep him in full game time shape, I guess, and so we just do all kinds of different things on him, but through the summer, he's he's ready to go, so we'll crack him back out come June, and he'll be on the tour. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Starbucks and Rockstar, full brothers. Full brothers, yeah. Okay, how are they bred? They're by a mare called Carry Me Starlight, which is a mare that my mom had raised and uh, one-third of the snaffle bit for 30, and I don't even know what year that would be. Um, 
but she's by a mare we'd raised and uh, out of C.D. Olina, which is the horse that Winston had won, uh, he won the fraternity on and was the horse of the year in 1994. And uh, they were just, it was a really good combination off those two. Uh, I had a lot of really nice horses out of that mare. And I've had a lot of really good C.D. Olinas too. And so... Your family stud is CD Lights. CD Lights is a uh, yes. Uh, CD Lights is a stud. It's obviously a CD Olina uh, on the top, and he's by a mare called Delight of My Life, which is uh, a mare that also was was raised by a man in in California that when we lived out there was who kind of mentored my mom on the cutting, named Floyd Boss, and uh, that's where our horse's name comes from. But uh, we got delight of my life as, as a very young horse and, and essentially raised her. And uh, Winston went on, he won the super stakes on her, and, and she'd won a ton in the cutting horse industry. And so uh, CD Lights is the first foal or first colt um, out, of, uh, out of that mare by CD Olina. So they kind of had both had a big influence in both of the two, and our stud, CD Lights, which is nicknamed Boss, named after Floyd Boss. Is she gone, that mare, long gone? The mare is. Uh, no, 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 no. City Lights' uh, mom is still up here. She's 26. She looks, really? yeah, she looks uh, She looks like she's 14. She's, does she still have a cold? Nope, she's retired. She lives up there. She comes in at night and, and out in the day, and she looks great. Uh, Starbucks' mom and them has passed on uh, probably five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, she's 20. She's got to be 25 or 6, and she looks amazing, so... So they say, somebody once described this to me when we were at a photo shoot here, as this is a heel horse factory. Huh. Um, but you don't, it's not like, I don't see a lot of guys saying, oh, I got this horse from my moats, or you don't buy and sell a ton of horses. You're not like... Oh, we sell a few. We try to place them a lot. Um, and, and, and we, I mean, we train heel horses every day is what we do. Um, for us, you know, I normally, um, every year I sell a heel horse. Um, and every other year I sell a head horse is kind of how we do it. That's how Courtney and mine deal works. Um, so, so we try to pick and choose what we have. Um, and, and like I said, we sell it, we try to place them a lot more, you know, people, everybody says, you know, if you're going to sell them, why, why would I buy them? Well, sometimes they're ones that just doesn't, don't fit me as good. Um, or, or we've sold several, I've got some friends of mine that have really nice heel horses that just that's what they like to go i've got a lady over here she's got a really nice horse uh hippie that we've had forever and she loves being a lady's horse and she didn't you know i don't think she would have i don't think she would have enjoyed a a life with roping with you know with me roping on her every day or somebody at the top level they go they cruise they have you know and she's a great heel horse i've won a little bit on her and uh, she's the one on all the roper photo shoot pictures and stuff you know and and uh, but she was a really cool horse. Just wasn't you know she wasn't cut out for the rodeo thing. Are you a mare guy? I mean you've got, you've had one really good mare. <clears throat> Goldie's great. Yeah, I've got a really good mare. She's a CD First Lights. Her name. That's the oldest uh, the oldest uh, offspring by our stud. And so uh, no, I don't know what I am. I'm a sorrel horse. You know, <laughs> I like I like solid colored horses. I don't like all the flash. I like uh, solid colored geldings. Get along better. But no mares. I've had some. Uh, obviously, in, in any other industry other than roping, mares are probably more popular. Um, you know, and they've. 
they're gritty. They they've got the guts and stuff like that. And uh, you know, the rope horse deal. Hopefully, with a fraternity, things kind of picking up. And some of the things that Jay Wadhams and Dean have been doing uh, to help with with the breeding programs for for the roping. But primarily, nobody breeds roping horses. You know, so it used to in the cutting industry. If you had a gilding that had won a lot, it was you know it was kind of a nowhere to go with them. Or if you had a mare, there, you know that was a great setup for a breeding program. With the barrel horses, it was a lot the same too. With the roping, it's still been a little bit behind on catching up to that, and so I don't think it's quite caught on to the the breeding thing. And I think a lot of people like like gildings. Gildings are definitely more popular. Um, as far as the breeding side of things. I mean, you guys are breeding mostly cut, like intentionally cutters, and the rope horses come by accident, or yeah. Um, most of my my good horses have come uh, out of a out of one mare called the Carry Me Starlight mare, and then another mare called Shorty Benina Lena, um, which was a Shorty Lena bred mare, and and I've had them by various studs, various everything, and a lot of my good horses have all came out of those two two mm-hmm. mares. Um, everything here gets started as a cutter. We, Courtney and I have Goldie's sister. She's a dual ray mare. And uh, everything gets started as a cutter. Uh, I kept the, that my sister has a, an older brood mare of hers now that they won quite a bit on called Light Rays that won a lot. And uh, I, I've kept, I've got a five-year-old that I, I, I kept a heel on because he seemed like a heel horse. I don't know why. Uh, Tucker Robinson has the four-year-old. They cow horse on him. Um, R.L. Chartier, who is married to my sister, um, he won the world two years ago in the cutting. Um, that's who uh, he's got my three-year-old from my for my sister. So uh-huh. we've got a three-year-old black filly in training up there um, to cut on. And if she works out, she'll they're gonna they're gonna show her. And uh, we've got a, a two-year-old. Um, and then we just had a, a baby last week out of that mare but uh everything gets started obviously primarily to cut and and from there we kind of figure out the avenue they go to if if um sometimes if if they're going to cut that's where they go especially the mares um if if it's a gilding you know we kind of place them from there if if it's something i kept a five-year-old that would have been great as a cow horse um that i thought was going to be great as a heel horse so what do, what do you see in a cutter or a cutter prospect well, that you know, ends up a heel horse? Like, a, what are the things that you... A lot of times, uh, you know, as a heel horse, you want them cowy. As a cutting horse, you want them extremely, extremely cowy. So sometimes a lot of the, I guess, the best reject cutters, you know, is the most popular term, um, that aren't quite cowy that are extremely broke and extremely those are the ones that seem to make the quickest turnaround uh some of the horses that aren't as athletic or aren't uh as as well broke it's still a long path to the rope horse deal a lot of times it seems like the ones that when you put your hands hand down won't quite lock on as good and get a little bit lost here and there with the healing you can help them a little bit and they normally still have the big stop and still have a lot of that kind of a training to him. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any, you had horses in the fraternity last year, right? Yep, I showed a, uh, a shiner named Sue out of a sister to our stud uh, that was a, a green heel horse that Winston showed him at the snaffle bit and did, and, and the horse did well 
several years ago, and uh, part of me keeping my five-year-old back was the fraternity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the hopes, you know, uh, that's a great deal. It's a good deal for uh, horse trainers, for younger horses. It's a good, I think it's a great crossover for a cutter and a, and a reigning cow horse, anything of that sort, because if if they hit the four or five-year-old year, as a, as a cutter and they're just mediocre once they hit the five and six year old year there's not it's tough you know and, and then the same thing with the cow horse so I think it's a good crossover and a good way to go with some reject type not even rejects nice cow horses nice cutters that don't really have anywhere to go so you name dropped a whole bunch of bloodlines so far in this conversation what's your favorite other than CD Light <laughs> no a lot of our a lot of our stuff goes back to Grey Starlight Mares and uh We've had we've had really good luck with with gray starlight mares cross on a lot of anything. Um, I am a big fan. I think studs mean a lot, but I, I think the mares, you know, very good mares produce a lot of really really good horses, and I think uh, that that the mare, you know, puts quite a bit in you know into the upbringing of the of the colts and stuff. And like I said, I, I think good studs obviously produce tons and tons of good horses, but. Good mares, I think, is where a lot of a lot of it comes from. That's awesome. What, yeah. What other what kind of mares do you, you have? A lot of gray starlight mares around here. You no, know, our our original stuff went back to to uh, some gray, uh, gray starlight mares. Um, our Courtney and mine's brood mares a dual ray. Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of stuff that we crossed uh, on our stud is is uh, some hotter bred type type horses. Uh, we breed several. Uh, our, we, we breed a lot of shining sparks to to our stud um, stuff like that um, our dual race same type of deal it's been a good cross um, we've had a lot of really nice really nice horses out of her um, but we've got we've got quite a bit of you know a, a variety of brood mares um, different different breeding types and uh, like I said the mares that have always been good have produced well too um, switching gears a little bit. What did you learn in 2016 about Sport and Rodeo? <laughs> and when I say 2016, since this is a podcast and people might not, there's there's no link you can click to know what happened in 2016. <laughs> I guess I'm talking about the ERA. No, I thought it was good. I, I was I'm I'm still super excited. You know, I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. I guess type of a deal. Um, you know, it was it was great for me. Um, it was a good time for me to be able to. To be home and, and spend more time at home. Yeah, you guys built your house, kind of. Yeah, we had a busy year. Mm -hmm, um, probably go. my mm -hmm. busiest year we'd had for quite a while there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd been driving our wheels off, it felt like, for five years in a row there. Some of the best five years I'd had. Um, but I, I was due for some time at home. And I think that's the one thing that with rodeo, there's no downtime, you know, even trying to figure out uh, a time to do, whether it's clinics or schools or um, photo shoots, I guess. There's, you know, it's so hard. There's no downtime. There's no, and, and for me, in the winter, I, I like to go to the big rodeos. I, I feel like, uh, for me, it's hard to get amped up about going to a, a little rodeo. We're going to one tomorrow, and it's pretty hard to be overly excited about going to something like that, but... The big rodeos, I don't know, it just kind of fuels the person, and big ropings is the same way. And I feel like as many rodeos and ropings as we go to throughout the year, 
it you, you it kind of becomes a you know a, a Ferris wheel of it's yeah. just it just goes from one day to the next and next thing you know you're just going you know Monday you just wake up there's six jackpots and within a couple hours of Weatherford you know and there's five of them within 45 minutes this week and it's like and that seems like kind of what you get to doing and uh, I mean I, I I think bigger rodeos are great for for the industry um, I think more big rodeos is what a person needs not just necessarily more rodeos um, and, and whether that's the ERA or the WCRA or, or whatever it is that helps produce it whether that's I, I think Calgary's great I think Houston's great um, I think the American's good too and I think just the more big opportunities for you know for rodeo athletes that they can have the better off um, things will be you know and I think the more chances you have at winning a lot of money none of them are bad no matter no matter where they come from and so I think like you said I think it was it was a it was a great experience for me it was a great year for me um, obviously uh, you know, the ERA didn't pan out as, as well as it, you know, we had all hoped it would have. Um, I still think it had, you know, a good purpose in the in the sport of rodeo, and I think uh, it, it maybe helped set things back in line a little bit and kind of back to uh, maybe a shift of, of momentum kind of towards, like I said, I think for so long big rodeos were almost frowned upon, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to grow anything like that, and I think big you know, in the team roping world, we we all are probably more accustomed to, but big ropings are great, and that's what, you know, people's careers are built off of. Um, you know, Clay Trans won the world three times, but, I mean, think how much he's won in the team roping, you know, the jackpot world. Um, I mean, that's astonishing, you know, the amounts like that. And so big rodeos are amazing, too. Driggers with the American, I yeah. mean, golly. I mean, that's... that's built his place. Is that not sure. amazing? Yeah, so. For things like that, the the more chances we have at big money, the the better off everybody can you know can retire, <clears throat> and then you know hopefully rodeo becomes a spot where you don't just kind of quit rodeo and start working. You can actually you know maybe it, it'll never be to the lengths of you know the NBA playoffs here and the, what these guys do, but <clears throat> kind of get to a spot where you know a person can actually slow down a little bit and not uh, it, it, it kind of like I said it can become kind of a rat trap and you get stuck in the middle of it and over and over and over again and uh, if you don't have a very good exit strategy or an exit ramp you yeah. know that's kind of just what you do it's just starts in Denver and it hopefully ends in, in Vegas yeah have you always been good about money like are you going to be able to slow down and ease off from rodeo yeah, no, I definitely think so. Um, I have rodeoed longer than I thought I ever would. Um, I have, uh, you know, kind of originally my plan was when I turned 35, I was going to stay home, horse show more. Obviously, Clay Logan's like my brother, um, you know, and kind of I've, I've come up with him when he first moved down here from Arizona. Um, Clay was a was a a horse trainer from Arizona and he moved down here and moved in across the road from me and he's who I owe as much of my steel roping to this day career too you know I talk to him daily um you know whether it's why haven't you been winning or you know tell me <laughs> tell me what you've been doing wrong to uh you know in, anything like I said um and and from him moving down here 
I, I went with him from the beginning, kind of to the horse shows a little bit as a young kid. You know, I didn't rope much when I moved down here. Uh, I believe Clay moved down here probably when I was about 15 or 16. Um, and I, I didn't rope very much then. Um, I just started kind of back to where I roped, you know, on a regular basis. I'd rope here and there, and I could swing a rope and do stuff like that. But when Clay moved down here, he started training horses and, uh, I mean, had some of the most terrible horses you've ever seen in your life. And and every day just showed up, and I thought, man, I don't know what, you know. To this day, people think, man, if it, horse training would be easy if you had horses. Like, he gets an opportunity to ride, and the stuff he rode at first, I mean, is, yeah. is like, golly. You know, what would make you want to come crawl on them every day? And so my, my horse, you know, his horse show career started about the time, you know, when I was younger there and, and had a couple of, of nice horses start to come along that he did good on. So that's kind of what we've always planned on doing. Um, we'll stay at home, maybe horse showing more. Obviously, the fraternity deal, you know, that's a... Yeah, that's, it seems like it's uh, perfect yeah, timing. Yeah, it's Holy perfect cow. timing. Um, you know, and that's kind of what we thought we'd do. We thought we'd settle down, uh, you know. We built a house, thought we'd start settling down and kind of had to come with the after 2016 you know it came at a perfect timing like I said I was born in mm-hmm. I mean 2016 I was 36 that year that's my year to yeah. stay home and retire and, <laughs> and you know it was it was like the perfect setting and uh, in, in 2015 you know I was obviously the goal that drives me the most is trying to win the world um, I wouldn't I, I don't know what happened I might would have could have been able to quit a little easier if I'd have won the world, you know, with Synergen in, oh in 2015 type of a deal. Yeah. I don't honestly know, um, you know, but that's still a goal of mine out there. And it's kind of the part where I've worked my whole life trying to get decent. Finally got where I feel like I'm decent and have a some somewhat of a chance to win the world. And I hate to just sit home. You know, that's what I've wanted to do uh, as a kid, you know, from the time I was, like I said, 16 on. That's kind of what you want to do. And so now you're in a spot where you're 35 and still have a chance, kind of at a childhood dream. I hate to just sit at the house, you know. And so when you can still, I'm telling you, Walt it. at 62 <laughs> when in Houston. I don't know what that does for my career plans, but <laughs> that's what everybody said. It's like screwed up there. Yeah, the whole trajectory yeah. of everybody else's life. Yeah, I thought I'd have. <laughs> I thought I'd have to quit way before then. You know, <laughs> my plan was my dad's rodeo career was going to outlast mine, and I was going <laughs> to rodeo for a few years and and be done. And it is. It's kind of a lifestyle. It's something like I said that yeah. you. You know, you prepare for, um, you build for. You know, like I said, my my plan through our rodeo winnings and big jackpot winnings was we were going to build a facility, obviously mm-hmm. that we can stay home in school and uh, do do the horse training, yeah. you know, program type of a thing. And uh, that's kind of what we've always done. Every, I mean, I've came home several times, and that's what we've done. We've came home and mm-hmm. and uh, schooled and and did uh, the horse training deal, and that was kind of. What we thought we would, you know, what I thought I would do, you know, a couple of years ago. So, like I said, the, the ERA came at a great time for me, thinking that was where it was. And then, uh, you know, last year we had a chance, and I thought, well, we might as well try it a little bit. And, uh, you know, now I finally just, I've been back and forth several times on whether we're going to, you know, rodeo full-time, part-time, how half in, half out, uh, you know, the first time we made the NFR, we were essentially half in the year before and almost made it. Mm-hmm. We were probably 
Jimmy and I was probably three quarters of the way in the year we made the finals, you know, and then stayed home and and. But uh, when I rode with Brock in, in the year we made it, uh, 2012, I guess, that was the first time I'd actually just went full tilt, and that was what we were going to do was mm-hmm. we were going to rope. And so that's kind of where I'm at again this year. That's kind of top priority a little bit, and we're going to give it another couple years and see what yeah. we get. And now we're going to take a break from this conversation to learn a little bit more about our presenting sponsor, U.S. Rider. U.S. Rider is the premier equestrian roadside assistance program in the industry. Membership includes 24-7 nationwide roadside assistance coverage in any vehicle you are traveling in, as well as coverage for horse trailers, whether you have horses on board or not. In addition, members receive an extensive package of discounts on equine-related goods and services, regular equine travel and safety information and insurance products to fit all of your needs as a horse owner or business. Two levels of membership are available to meet the needs of all horse enthusiasts, owners, competitors, and business people. Coverage includes towing up to 100 miles for truck and or trailer, roadside repair service, tire repair and replacement, lockout service, jump starts and fuel delivery, emergency stabling, farrier and vet referral, and discounts on equine products and services. I want to tell you a little bit about that fuel delivery. My husband got his very first brand new pickup truck and we were headed to Arizona from Colorado this winter and he pushed the limit a little bit on that E and we ran out of fuel in the mountains outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I tried the roadside assistance that was in the truck, built into the truck and had no luck getting a hold of anybody to come out and bring us fuel. But I climbed to the top of a hill, got cell service and called US Rider. Their first question was, are you and your horses okay? Absolutely, we were okay. We were just broke down and stuck. They sent somebody out within a half hour with five gallons of fuel, and that person followed us the whole way into Albuquerque to make sure we got a full tank of fuel to get on to our next destination. Guys, they are awesome. I have used them more than I would like to admit. Um, So check it out at usrider.com. And um, send us your feedback on it at the Team Roping Journal. We'd love to hear from you. They're a great product. Tell your friends about it. And thank you, TS Rider, for supporting the score. To go back to something you said, did you listen to any of our podcast? Have you listened to any of these? No. Did, you didn't listen to Sinjini? Did anybody tell you what Sinjini said? No. He, um, he kind of gave us a play-by-play of the night he won the world. And, like, the heartbreaking moment of you guys running down the tunnel... And leave it to Brady to say, <laughs> Moats, it wasn't you. Where, was that just soul crushing? Or was that like, was yep. that like, oh, sorry, sucker? <laughs> like, I mean, tell, tell me about that moment. No, it was, it was a different scenario. You know, the last time, the last one I've run at the NFR, you know, it was the same thing. We run the steer leave out of there, watch the... Watch the end of it on uh, on the on the telecast, you know, and and going it was a it was as screwed up of tenth round as you could ever get. Yeah. Um, we did not do good on the ninth round, and, and so we we're kind of back a little bit, and we weren't what I guess what you'd say a favorite type of a deal going into the tenth round, and everybody's got their picks, um, and, and we had kind of figured it. And Sinajin had asked me before we run our last one, and we said the same thing, you know. I said, well, I mean, all we all we can do is win the go round and see, you know. And uh, if we won the go round, 
by the way we figured it, that would put us to the lead. Um, obviously, there's a million different scenarios. The ninth round kind of put us back in the average a little more than we probably needed to be. Um, that was your – obviously, JoJo had a really good chance. Kobe Lovell had a really good chance. Um, and, and we, you know, we got kind of – Colin wrote before we did that night, and, and he was in the same boat, Colin and Luke, where they weren't really who a person had talked about a lot as far as uh, having a chance to win the world. And, and we didn't really forget about them, but, you know, as, as it plays on, we wrote – and then the teams follow us had all had a hiccup of some sort, and it kind of dropped it to a spot where, you know, as it turns up, you think we're still winning the round. We go to the lead in the round. That was all we could obviously do, and nobody beats us in the round. We moved up a spot or two in the average, which is what we, we knew if we, had a, if we had a chance. If we won the round and moved up two spots in the average, that was going to be, you know, nearly 40 grand that night, and that would put us to the lead. Anyhow... We get out back, you know, it was, and it was a different scenario. You know, we get out back, uh, it falls the way it does, and we still don't know who has a chance, you know. And uh, Rich and Clay was there, you know, and Jaden. And yeah. so to kind of have that, to me, that's what I, I've said it to this day. I mean, to have won the world that year, for even for Colin, that was the year. I mean, if, if there was a headliner of healers there that year, you know, in teams that year, that was a great year of, yeah. of, of teams. And, and, and great team ropers that was all there. But, uh, no, it was different. And like I said, it kind of, I mean, it, it, it was, it is what it is, I guess. But it's to the point where, you know, being that close is kind of what, you know, it was fine staying home after that. But that's what made me want to yeah. actually go try to pursue it a little more. What did you do that night? You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what we did. Um you know, we celebrated a little bit. I, I, we went up top, Brady and Riley and I went to Mark Anderson's suite. You know, we watched uh, Sinajini get, get his world, you know, win the world, get his buckle, get the whole deal. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, yeah. it really was. And, and Colin's a great friend of mine to this day. So, I mean, I'm super, super, you know, happy for both of them. Um, you know, we just did the normal the normal deal. Sinajini and I, you know, we went back over there, We, you know, to the MGM and hung out a little bit. And, I mean, just, I mean, it was just... The awkward thing is, is, is you were this close, you know, uh, like you said, thought we'd won the world, starts you down the tunnel, and then, and then, uh, you know, pretty exciting, you know, everybody's excited about the deal, and uh, like I said, I don't know how close you can get to win the world, but we got halfway down to the interview and got turned, you know, got half of us turned around. Um, yeah, so Jenny said it was, he described it as, like, one person's getting on the train and the other one's, the door's closed in front of their face, and he's just like... It was last goodbyes at that moment. It was kind of like that, you know. You get done, and uh, like I said, uh, uh, Clay and and Jade, they take my, you know, Garrett. We're waiting on Garrett to get back around there, and they take my horse, and they're kind of whisking us down the tunnel there, mm-hmm. um, you know. And it was like I said, I, I mean. W- we got beat, or Colin beat me, you know, by several thousand dollars. I don't think it's the closest mm-hmm. loss there's ever been, but you know, heading down the heading down the tunnel was sure enough pretty pretty close. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I had the same feel like now that you're telling me the story, like I had the same feeling when Sunny was giving me the blow by blow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I said, I yeah. mean that's obviously everybody's like I said, everybody's dream. It was kind of a a real emotional 15 minutes there of, yeah. of uh, from complete high emotions to something that uh, you've wanted to accomplish since you was a kid to, 
you know, uh, obviously when you realize that's not the case, um, it's it was a, you know, kind of hard to catch your breath for a little bit right there, yeah. you know, and realize whether it's true or not. Obviously, uh, I know there'd been, like you said, there's been, for Luke, it had to have been the same way, yeah. you know. Um, out back there, like I said, when we went out back, how we'd figured or how everybody had kind of thought was that we were the favorites and, and Luke, Luke and them could have been in the same boat, you know. And at that point, you know, I don't know that, uh, I know there had been split championships before, but I don't know whether two teams had, you know, went, went the full route and kind of done it. So it was kind of different for Synergy and I roped all year and Luke and Colin had roped all year. So, you know, it, it just ended up where the numbers didn't, didn't line up. I know um, when Jade and, when Caleb and Jade talk about the, their split title, or the title that they split, they said Caleb was running down the tunnel too. Yeah. And somebody grabbed him aside and said, no, it wasn't you. Oh. I hate that. <laughs> that is- kind of different, you know. Like I said, when we run the, when, you know, um, Brock and I went in a chance with the in the last round before, you know, kind of in the same scenario. Um, and it's kind of, you know, even for Synergy and I that that night, it was kind of an underdog type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was a lot of people that had a lot better chances going into it that it didn't work out for. Um, and, and so, like I said. After after the eighth round, it felt like it was a, a lock for us. You know, there you know on our team, mm-hmm. there was no way they could beat us. You know, and then uh, like I said, by the time the the whole deal had washed up, it, it was. I mean, it was it, it was what it was. It turned up good. Um, like I said, it didn't turn up the way I would have <laughs> I would have drawn it up. Yeah. But uh, no, it was great. I was I was happy for both of them. And what do you like right now? Take us back to twenty eighteen. You and Brock, how did the team, how the band get back together? You know, I didn't, Brock, Brock obviously he's healed the last terrible years. Um, Brock and I get along good. I, I feel like he's one of the best headers out there. Um, and, uh, you know, he's kiddingly asked me healing advice for several years now. <laughs> and I told him that, you know, he's, his healing sucks. So obviously it doesn't. Um, but, you know, I told him he's a terrible healer. He's a better header. Um, I wrote with Tom. I wrote with Synergy the first of last year. I wrote with Tom Richards uh, at the end of last year, and and uh, when, I thought when, you and Tom might stick it out. You guys wrote great together. I like Tom. I like Tom a lot. We're great friends, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that was kind of where where it was. It was a hard decision. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Brock and I had really good chemistry when yeah, we wrote together wrote before. Um, we practice a lot together. Uh, we we've roped as many. I've roped as many shares with him as I have anybody even once he started healing. So it was kind of a deal where Brock had said something about he was going to he was gonna start heading. Um, he was going to maybe head again next year. And, and, you know, the instant he mentioned it to anybody, the, obviously the rumors went to Brock and I's roping again together, and we really hadn't even for sure discussed it. He told me he was going to head, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Tom and I roped really, really well together. I've never quit roping with anybody, I guess, that I was doing well with, mm-hmm. um, and Tom and I were doing well. Obviously, he made the NFR and yeah. stuff like that. So, it was a it was a tough decision. Tom and I are still really good friends. I'm super happy about that. You know. Yeah, I can't see Tom ever staying mad at anybody. So no, and Tom even, and I, I can't even see him getting upset. No, so. Tom. I had a blast when I rode with Tom. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's t- kind of to the point where not that not that Tom and I wouldn't. Uh, I, I felt like. Uh, for Brock and I to rope together, I felt like we had a, a, a chance. To, I'm to the spot where I could either retire or quit or I'm getting old, you know. 
So, um, not by Walt Woodard's standards, but <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm kind of to the point where, um, you know, if, if I don't feel like I have a chance to dominate when I go somewhere, I don't really want to go or want to put in the, the work. Um, Tom and I nominated really, really good. I just, you know, it kind of boiled down to the fact that uh, Brock and I roped really, really good together. We always kind of have. We've jackpotted good together. We've rodeoed good together, and uh, we get along great. Uh, our, our styles kind of mesh a little bit. Uh, he can be aggressive or consistent, and I feel like that's what I can be. Um, obviously, Brock uh, and I did really, really good together when we roped. And Synergy and I, it's kind of a similar type of a style. We can both be aggressive. We can both be consistent. And to me, whether, you know, the best teams in the world, um, whether it's Clay and Paul right now, you know, Clay and Jade for their dominance, they could both feed off each other. And that's that's kind of what I feel like we can do. Good deal. Remember that time that we said you and Brock didn't have a chance for a world title? <laughs> I like have never forgotten that. <laughs> that we ran a story in the magazine uh, in the NFR preview that said like we were the, you guys were the only team we called out like as not having a chance well you were the only team we called out I know it was bad yeah I mean, we didn't mean it it was good it gave you it like I like won it. the first round or something that year right and I totally credit that to you Chelsea <laughs> I, I give you all credit for us winning the. We practiced so hard because when we read the article and it said that you said we had no chance. And, and when, we, when you say you, I didn't write it. I did not write it. My very good boss, who was way better of a writer and knew way more about team rubbing than I did, wrote it. But I mean. It was a true statement. I, I really I think, think it was because it said that Brock was. A rookie. A rookie. No, I think it's. Mm-hmm. And that is a true statement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard place, and it's a hard place to head. Um, he looks so good at the finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take it back. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> no, it's a spot. Kids nowadays, they don't. I mean, Brock's not a kid by no means, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's to the point now. There's so many guys that head good, and there's so many guys that heal good, and uh, you know, every everywhere you go, the the. There's 18-year-old kids that wrote. I, I wrote terrible when I was 18, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, my rookie year, I was 21, and I was not very good then either. Um, I was, a, I think I was a six plus seven, maybe my mm-hmm. rookie year. I mean, I think it was old numbers even then, but I, I, I was not very good, and I didn't know that much. There's kids now that's 15, 14, 15 years old that go to the amateur rodeos. They they know how to win before they ever buy their permit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Caleb Schmidt was one of them. I stayed home and roped with Caleb, you know, at the amateur rodeos when I wasn't rodeoing before Brock and I roped. And uh, he was still in college, you know, and yeah. he hadn't, obviously, everybody. I heard about him. You know, he had his yeah. permit for several years there. He stayed in college the whole time. And, and when he bought his card, he was great, you know. And, and that's where uh, uh, his comparison to the tie-down roping and, and heading also. Yeah. But is where, I mean, there's kids nowadays that by the time they're 18, they rope great. Yeah, um, like Chase is that front and well, there's a There's a whole yeah, flood of, and, and you know, there for a little while, it, it seemed like it took uh, people a little longer to figure out the heading part and the scoring and, and everything else. And, uh, you know, Cody Snow come along a couple years ago. He's probably four years now he's rodeoed. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, holy cow, how did, you know, Driggers yeah. did it first. seemed like forever it took everybody until they were 23 or 25 to figure out how to head. 
Drigger shows up and wins San Antonio as an 18-year-old kid, you know, and just and he and he had it, and he still does. Obviously, I mean, he had's great. And then it kind of waited, and then Cody Snow came, and now it seems like there's a floodgate of of kids that can jackpot well and can bomb. Why? Why do you think? Where did that come from? I think just you know the amount of ropings. I think uh, they go to the ropings all the time. They figure out how to win. Um, to me, that's why I said, if you can progress through through the roping, when, when you figure out how to win and how to how to not pressure up and, and mm-hmm. take that, I think that that makes a big difference. I think they uh, have figured out, you know, to amateur rodeo a little bit and go to the circuit rodeos and stuff like that, or amateur rodeos around there before they're quite 18. But I mean, there's a there's four 18 year old kids that had really good, you know, um, Jeff Flanagan's. He's been heading really good. Uh, Brenton Hall has had it really, really good. Stephen Doobie has had it really, really good. Is Stephen Doobie only 18? I've never met him. I, I don't know. I've never They're met all, they be all have to be 18, 19 yeah. years old. Um, I roped with Laramie Allen last week, mm-hmm. kid from down here in Texas. You know, I've seen him at the amateur. everywhere. seen him yeah. at the amateur radios a couple of years ago. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, I mean the, there's a floodgate of kids. And it's like, holy cow. I That's mean, such good news for the sport. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing news. And, and it seemed like for a long time that there was a lot of, whether it was flash or I don't know what it was, but uh, I had it all through college and stuff. But it seemed like nobody healed, so that was why I healed. Well, it almost seemed like it went the other way. And for a long time, you always hear about these young kids that heal good coming up. And young kids, and nobody really uh, that was a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, it's like, listen, look how good he heads. Mm-hmm. It's like if they figured out how to head at that young, they wanted to kind of transition to the healing. But uh, now there, there's kind of been, there's been a lot of them. There's a whole mm-hmm. lot of kids. There's a lot of kids that heal good too. Hey, before you go, leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let the world know what you think. That helps more people find us on iTunes. And give us a shout out, share with your friends so more people can know about the score, can talk to you, and hopefully help push this industry even further forward. Thank you all.